Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. After a year out, Formula One is back in Monaco and fans were even in attendance to watch Thursday's practice sessions unfold. And as if the magic of Monaco isn't enough, those lucky fans are in for an extra treat this weekend as McLaren are sporting a special golf livery. In FP1, the Red Bull of Sergio Perez set the fastest time with a 1 minute 12.487 on the soft tyres and he was a tenth ahead of Carlos Sainz who was on the medium tyres with Max Verstappen third fastest also setting his best time on the medium compounds. But the big talking point from the day was the pace of the Ferraris. For the first time since 2019, we had a Ferrari 1-2 in a practice session, with Charles Leclerc setting the fastest time of FP2 with a 1 minute 11.684. For a moment earlier in the day, it looked like Charles Leclerc's misfortune at his home race was set to continue. For those who don't already know, Charles has never made it to Q3 at his home race, nor has he ever finished a Monaco Grand Prix in Formula 1. And yesterday in FP1, he was hit by gearbox issues that cut his session short after just four laps. But he came back with a bang in FP2 and topped the timesheets for the second session of the day, a tenth ahead of teammate Carlos Sainz. Lewis Hamilton was P3 with Max Verstappen only 7,000th slower and Valtteri Bottas finished P5 over four tenths off of Charles Leclerc's pace. I am joined by Alex Kalanorkas, Autosports Grand Prix editor, to chat through what we saw in practice and what to look out for tomorrow in qualifying. But before we delve into all of that, Alex, as we just touched on, I'm very jealous because you're actually at the track this weekend. How is it being back trackside? 
Yeah, hello, Ariana. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's obviously very difficult circumstances that everybody found themselves in at the start of the year. It, you know, meant traveling was very difficult, lots of restrictions, um, lots of things away from um, COVID and Formula One that meant remote traveling was very difficult for me at the time. So really, really lovely to be back. It's very sunny in Monaco, although apparently a little bit of rain forecast for Saturday morning. That probably won't make too much of an impact on things. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm actually staying at the moment in an Airbnb on the outskirts of Nice. There is a little bit of renovation work being done. I don't know, you may be able to, listeners may be able to detect some light hammering, I believe, going on above me. But I think <laughs> I negotiated in terrible broken French and probably insultingly bad. And I apologise for that, of course. I think I negotiated a 30 minute ceasefire on the incredibly loud drilling uh, that woke me up on what is I have to say a very civilized edition. I've never done a motorsport event that has a day off in the middle of it. Obviously, I know the Monaco Grand Prix has had this, of course, traditionally, but I've, this is my first one as an Autosports Grand Prix editor, and it's absolutely fantastic. I think they should all have it. I mean, I know that would add cost and time and, and whatnot to everything, but um, yeah, it's, it's very civilized. You're enjoying that day break clearly, and I'm so jealous that you're talking of the sun because as I look out the window, it looks like the trees are all about to blow over. I can't even see any sky beyond the clouds so i'm glad that you're living it up on my behalf out there i'm very happy to do that very happy to do that (laughs) i'm sure you are let's dig into fp1 and fp2 as you mentioned both sessions on a thursday always feels a little strange but we're not complaining and it is tradition in monaco i think it's only right that we start with ferrari um think it caught us all a little bit off guard. Carlos Sainz was second fastest in both sessions and looking consistently strong. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, Charles was unfortunate in his first session, suffered that gearbox issue, which forced him out of FP1. But then FP2 came around and things are looking pretty good. Of course, as I always say, it's only practice one and practice two. We don't want to get too carried away. But these are promising signs for Ferrari. How did they pull that out of the bag? Yeah, they, they certainly are very, very promising signs. Uh, although just on uh, on Charles Leclerc's terrible luck at his home event, it actually goes back a bit further than Formula 1. When I covered him in Formula 2 in 2017, uh, he was leading the feature race from pole position, absolutely dominating. The timing of the safety car cost him the lead and then he had a suspension problem that that, uh, that dropped him out and I called him up uh, the next day because obviously you know things are a bit more spread out for the Formula 2 guys as well this weekend and he was uh, because he was devastated like you could really see he was really emotional after after losing that race but I called him up and I, I actually just texted him sort of for the first time because I was that was my first year covering the championship and it was only the second round I just got to know him but briefly at Barcelona of course there was Bahrain before but I hadn't been to that one um I sent him a text being like, hey, do you want to just chat about what happened sort of things? Not really expecting anything. And he, and he called me up and we had a great chat and a great interview. And that was like, that was my sort of first like um, understanding of just how switched on he is. You know, he, he knew the sort of how to play the media game, how to get his own things out there and, and a real insight into his character sort of thing. Uh, and then he tried a bit like he did in uh, Monaco in 2019 in the Grand Prix, he tried a bit too hard in the sprint race to come back from the very back of the grid. I think he ended up tangling with uh, Norman Nato at the Raskas corner. And uh, yeah, so it's a terrible run of luck that he's been on uh, but that seems to have ended I mean it may not have ended for good but in uh, in FP2 when he when he ended up fastest um yeah very very encouraging signs for Ferrari I wrote this in my feature for autosport.com plus last night which is not a Friday feature as it normally is of course it was a Thursday feature for this one in that it's both very good and very sort of not bad but a little, a little bit sort of slightly misleading for Ferrari basically it's a bit like testing I think we can conclusively say that Ferrari won in inverted commas 
practice. But obviously, there's no points for practice. It's not a race. It doesn't, really, doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But basically, the reason why Leclerc ends up fastest is because of the time that he's the time of the session that he set his lap. It's a massive track evolution factor at Monaco. Bits of it have been resurfaced. Lewis Hamilton talking about it um, being very, very grippy on the bits of uh, on the start finish straight early in the first sector. Things like that. Um, the teams were aware that it was a very, very green track as a result, and of course, it always is because of the you know the city centre nature. Um, so basically, the later in the session you set a time, the faster it was going to be. Like it was just that you're going to see that all through the weekend. Maybe if there's a bit of rain before FP3, that'll that'll um, wash a bit of the rubber away and that'll reset things to a certain extent. But basically, because Leclerc set his lap so late, that's why he was that much faster than the science, and that's why he was that much faster than everybody else. However. That was the seventh lap of his run, which is not unusual for Monaco because it's very sort of um, low degradation surface. It's going to be a definite one stopper, probably soft to the mediums. I know Lewis Hamilton obviously had a very long stint on that uh, in uh, in 2019, but obviously that was because of the safety car they went onto the mediums and rather than the hards. But I think if it runs to a normal race, it will definitely be soft medium, but just stopping a little bit later than lap 11 or whatever it was in 2019. So the fact that he set it so late in the run is really really encouraging because it means that they're not destroying their rear tyres they're keeping things alive and basically it looks like they've got good pace in Monaco uh, one of the rival teams was saying basically we've 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 tracked Ferrari showing good apex speed at every single track so far this year so they're very very fast in the corners so why are they not winning? because their engine isn't terribly good still and we know that that's like a historical thing with this car because of what happened at the start of 2020 they, you know they've got brought a new power unit it is better but it's still nowhere near the class of the field so it's not a huge surprise that they're suddenly very very fast at monaco because it's all corners and very little matters with the power so yeah i think they are in the mix um mercedes particularly insisting that it's a it's a not necessarily a three-way fight but it's it's going to be very very close between the three of them and um and yeah i think things do look good mercedes sort of seem to seem to be suggesting that ferrari and red bull are a lick ahead on the long run sort of bits that were seen in fp2 i mean there wasn't a lot because it was a short session and mick schumacher crashed and that mercedes a little bit behind doesn't really know why but then all of this this is why i said inverted commas they won friday because we've seen this before we know mercedes is going to come back we also think that the ferrari was running in a, a faster more powerful engine mode uh, when he got to the top of the hill in comparison apparently charles leclerc was about six mile an hour faster than lewis hamilton so that's going to be a chunk of lap time but things look good basically they're in the mix the car looks good it looks like it can cope very well with monaco and we'll just have to see what what that translates into when come qualifying because it's not it's entirely plausible that Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz Jr. could get pole position. And if they do that, they've got a very, very good chance in the race. But it's equally plausible that the, the other two teams that have dominated so far this year will get that little bit further in front and we'll see a, a slightly more normal pecking order. But uh, who knows? That's 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 one of the joys, I guess, of, uh, of Monaco and Formula One. I love the in-depth analysis that we just got there because I actually received some messages this morning from some listeners saying, where is the podcast? I want to know how the Ferraris set these times. Um, so there you are, guys. We have delivered. Alex has given you a nice in-depth analysis of how the Ferraris pulled that out of the bag. But staying on them for a little while longer, as you said, it is perfectly plausible that they could end up on pole tomorrow and have a really strong weekend as a result. But out of the two Ferrari drivers, who is looking stronger from what we saw? Obviously, Charles didn't get to run really in FP1, but then he, FP2, he pulled it out the bag. Whereas Carlos Sainz was looking consistent across both sessions. So out of the two, who do you think has the slight edge? I think I would naturally always lean towards Leclerc because he's, mm -hmm. he's probably up there with the, maybe he may even be the best qualifier in Formula One. I think you think some of the laps that he's pulled throughout his career, but also particularly 
you know, in recent in recent races, he's been putting the Ferrari, you know, ahead of Red Bull, of Perez, you know, things like that. He's just, he, he can just deliver when it matters. Didn't quite come to him in, in Portimao, in Portugal, in those sort of uh, funny conditions there, just after he'd done an amazing job to get through on the mediums, Q3 sort of went awry. So I think if I had to bet a house that I don't own, on uh, on on either of the two of them, I, I put it on Leclerc. But having said that, Science is doing very 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 well as well. We know he's very adaptable to the sort of street circuit things. That the, the sort of setting works well for him. He's he's gone well at Monaco in the past, so he's 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 definitely a factor. If if, if Ferrari really is a genuine contender, then then of course he's going to be a factor. But I think if I had to pick one of the two of them for qualifying, I go for Leclerc. But um, but equally, you know, he did miss a chunk of running in FP one. It was um, it was very unfortunate with that gearbox problem. So um, so yeah that. Yeah, that could add up to a little bit of missed something, potentially not. You know, he's obviously knows the track very well coming from Monaco, uh, and he's very, very good around here. So, um, so yeah, so I think um, very, very close between the two of them, but I'd probably just shade it to Leclerc. I would be inclined to say the same. It feels quite refreshing talking about Ferrari first in our report because it's not something that we do often, which is a shame, but... Let's now turn our attention to the main title contenders, Red Bull and Mercedes. First, let's talk about the Red Bulls. So Checo topped FP1 on the softs and Max finished P3 on the mediums. And then in FP2, they sort of dropped down the order a little bit. Um, Max was complaining of understeer. He came in P5 and Checo couldn't seem to pull it together. He ended up P8 in FP2. Max since has said that the car was just too slow. It's just not feeling great. He doesn't feel comfortable behind the wheel. Tell us a bit more about that and what we were seeing yesterday in FP2 especially. Yeah, so the team felt that they sort of, they missed getting the tyres into the right window. And that's such a critical thing at Monaco because it's actually quite difficult to get the tyre completely switched on for that first lap. And if you don't do that, you're going to be losing time early on, although you will gain it back. But it seemed that Red Bull were not only missing that window, but they were also overheating and overworking their rear tyres come the third sector where I think they were down in like at least the highest was was fifth and maybe a little bit further down for the, for the other one in terms of you know the individual order in that sector so yeah the worst of both worlds really but that is something that they can work on again with this extra day that's another that's another reason why you can't automatically assume Ferrari is going to keep its practice pace all through the weekend because all these very very clever people in Formula 1 you give them more time look at Mercedes terrible in Bahrain testing won the race a few weeks later so that time is always always going to help uh, every team and of course Ferrari you know can can manage that as well but um but yeah with, with Red Bull yeah I think just just a little bit of um you know I think they're not far off Christian Horner sort of suggested that as well and we know that that car and that package is is very very good around Monaco historically uh, also Verstappen I think had terrible luck with uh, with traffic in FP2 I think um, that was a big factor there and it's, it's amazing so I, I was lucky enough to get out and stand on the outside of uh, the Raskas corner uh, for FP1 like and, you know got a tabard and, and, and stood right right by the barriers amazing but the the, the the backing up you know the traffic problem is just incredible there's one point where um sebastian vettel was coming by not particularly slowly but esteban ocon arrived very much faster behind him and vettel just had to stamp on it and it, it jolted his car forwards otherwise uh there probably wouldn't have been an accident but there certainly would have been a, a bad block but um but yeah so traffic a big factor in i think why uh, verstappen wasn't particularly faster in fp2 as well now, after Spain, a lot of people were saying that Red Bull really need to win this weekend to keep the fight on. And as we've said, pole position makes all the difference here. Max has never had pole position here, never won here, neither has Checo. Do you think, given what we've seen and now this new threat of the Ferrari, that either of them are in for a genuinely good shot? Or do you think it will be neck and neck down to Q3 and it will be 
you know, whoever literally pulls out an amazing lap will take it? Or do you think that they will have a bit of more of a lead when it comes to it? Yeah, I think um, it, it's basically the same. Same with the Ferraris. It just depends who 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 make which team makes the the best step through the session. Um, but yeah, I, it, it is going to be very very close. I, you can't discount any of them. It's one of those, it's one of those classic things that it's going to be the cliche. It's going to be hooking it up, delivering your best sectors at, at the crucial time. Um, but you, you know, I, I it's, it's very very interesting in the race if the Ferraris are in the mix with both. Hamilton and Verstappen because they gain a sort of a slight advantage in the fact that the title contenders cannot race them as hard as possible so if you had for instance Verstappen on pole and Leclerc second and Leclerc gets alongside him into Sandovot I don't think Max can pull off the move that he did you know in defence this time okay um, against Hamilton and, and run the risk of being taken out because he's you know he cannot afford to lose a massive swing in points to Hamilton so yeah it's going to be very very close and I like the fact that there's an extra an extra factor in play with Ferrari you know even though we can't guarantee that it is going to be there come the sessions that matter. I really want to see the Ferraris up at the front of the pack for the race I think it would make it so much more interesting seeing them just Getting in the way a little bit um, in this title fight, I think it will make it very, very interesting, especially considering Monaco isn't often that exciting in terms of on-track action. Now, let's turn to the Mercedes cars. Despite Lewis's 100 pole positions, Monaco isn't actually a track that he has, you know, a string of poles at. Uh, I think he's secured pole twice here. But obviously, you can never discount him. Um, It would be silly to. P5 and P3 on the timesheets yesterday meanwhile Valtteri Bottas wasn't quite up there p6 and p5 no doubt he would love to have a strong weekend um obviously the conversation about the title fight is very much focused on Max and Lewis at the moment his name isn't really getting mentioned in that conversation what did you make of what you saw of the Mercedes cars yesterday yeah, again, it's 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 the flip side of of all these um practice analysis and and reading into times it's, it's the danger of it is that you know the as as much as I think the Ferrari threat is genuine, it's it's as equally realistic that Mercedes can end up one and two on the grid. It's kind of that. It's just the weird way that that, that Formula One works. And I think that Hamilton in particular is is a step ahead. I think um, he made a big mistake on his first flying lap uh, on the soft tyres in FP two, which you know, yeah, there's there's very little degradation, and it's 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 very typical that you can set times deeper into the run, as I'm going to go on to explain. Like like I said as well about Leclerc, but that's still the the, the peak of the tyre. That's still you know there there is still a, a factor there. So I think he definitely could have been um, higher up the timesheets, um, but. Also, also with him, that, that the other point I was going to make was that he set what became his fastest time, only good enough for third in the end, but it was actually on the ninth lap of his run. So the Mercedes is treating its tyres very, very nicely as well. Um, the Red Bull, for comparison, I think Verstappen was set on his third lap. I think Bottas did the same thing. So Hamilton just looking typically strong at Monaco. You know, he's been here before. He's seen it so many times. You know, it's just typical of Mercedes. It builds through the weekend and when it when it matters, he'll be in the fight. With Bottas, he was struggling a little bit more with understeer throughout the day uh, on Thursday. I think um, there's some sort of speculation that maybe that's a, a new trait that the 2021 Pirelli compounds have introduced that it's just that little, uh, you know, little quirk of the of the rubber there. But, um, but yeah, he just, again, seems to be a bit of a step behind and, and you're right, Ariana, he's not being talked about as a title contender because he isn't. I think if you look at the points totals, Lewis Hamilton's got more points than he's ever had before in his Formula One career. And, and where is Bottas? I'm not sure he's too far off 50% behind in terms of his total. So also for what it's worth, you know, Verstappen has also got a career high uh, points total at the start of the season. So he's, he's just not a factor, even though it's very, very early still in the season. Talking about the McLarens now... 
there's quite a bit to talk about on and off the track for them. First of all, the golf livery. Are you a fan of what we've seen? Very much a fan. Very, very much a fan. It looked absolutely incredible in the pictures. Although it was, it was interesting standing trackside. It just, it, 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 you get so used to seeing the cars look a certain way when they turn up different. It, it, it sort of messes with your mind a little bit. And it did, I don't mean to be disingenuous, but it did at the very start of the session when I was watching trackside, it reminded me of like a livery in the F1 game because it was just so different <laughs> and, and it was the way that the two-tone colours were split. I sort of, I was having, a, but then you, you get, you, you look at it a bit more and you're like, no, that's that's really, really nice, really, really nice. Uh, but just to add extra confusion to the mix, um, I'm pretty sure both Ricardo and Norris are running uh, special helmet liveries. So, you know, I was really having to look closely for the numbers on the cars to know which one of them was coming past me, uh, which is very interesting. But yeah, McLaren, um, Norris looking, looking, typically strong again continuing his good start to the season bouncing back from you know what was a bit what ultimately a bit of a disappointing um event in spain but ricardo something very odd going on with him he sort of he's he, you know we know he's lacking confidence in the car look that looked like there was a bit of a breakthrough in spain but come come back here at monaco and he just doesn't seem to be able to do what norris can do and yet he seems when he's behind the wheel to think to feel that everything's fine and he comes he says he comes across the line Oh, that felt like a good one. Oh, he gets told on the radio he's P15. At one point he said P17. So he's just sort of not not getting what's going on there at the moment. I think you can see visibly he's just just lit, you know, not that confident uh, behind the wheel. So hopefully this extra day will give McLaren a chance to sort that out for him. Yeah, and it's a shame to see for Daniel as well because obviously he is a race winner here and he loves this track um, and he loves pushing it to the edge. So I do hope that this extra day gives him a bit of time to figure out where it's not quite piecing together and hopefully we'll see him coming back stronger. Now, Lando recently announced that he signed a multi-year contract at McLaren, getting the deal out of the way nice and early into the season. So I wanted to just briefly touch on that. Were you surprised by the news of him signing? What are your thoughts when that announcement came? I guess only the timing in that it's quite early on in the year. A great move um, for, for Norris, you know, I mean, I mean, realistically, where where else was he going to go? I don't think he, you know, he's not a, a factor in the sort of Mercedes considerations. Uh, maybe Red Bull, you know, there, there was there was talk, you know, back before he came into Formula One that he might have ended up at what was then Toro Rosso because, you know, the, the powers that be behind his career, you know, was just so keen to get him in if McLaren couldn't get him a seat uh, for 20, uh, for what would have been 2019, that maybe it would have, you know, he would have gone uh, somewhere else. But, He's he's the McLaren he's the McLaren star you know he's he's signed you know a multi year deal because he says you know he wants to be their their guy for the future their absolute star going forwards and it's interesting it, it ties him in I think the, 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 the for the length of Ricardo's deal which is three years at least because you know multi year deal for Norris it could be you know one year plus one it could be two years plus one you know but at, at the very least if he does obviously this year plus two more that's the entire time Ricardo's there so McLaren you know that stability going into a regulation change is really really helpful and um, yeah it just seems like a, a win all round really for that team yeah I think it's a good fit for him as well as you said there's not really anywhere else that he could go I don't think at this point and I don't think Red Bull would necessarily be a great fit for him at this stage in his career whereas McLaren seems to work really well with him and they're on an upward trajectory anyway so why not commit yourself and stick it out and see where you can you can take it and I'm excited for what the future holds for McLaren actually um, and I'm glad that Norris will be embedded in the team for a little bit longer moving on to Alpha Tauri because conscious of the time and we, we've spent so long talking about um, some other things that we're going to miss out some people but that's okay um, 
Pierre Gasly was looking pretty confident, a solid P4 in FP1 and then P7 in FP2. But on the other side of the garage, Yuki Tsunoda didn't have such a great day. He lost the majority of the FP2 session after contact with the barriers and damage to his suspension. That's not really too comforting considering he's a rookie and this is Monaco. Not ideal to lose out on all that time, is it? Definitely not. Definitely not. You know, the, the, the cliche about Monaco is it's all about confidence and you build that up through the weekend to deliver when it really matters in qualifying. So to have missed actually three quarters of FP2 is a really, really big hit, especially in your rookie season. And, you know, Sonoda didn't he didn't do F2, you know, when, when he was in F2 last year, didn't come to Monaco. So he's got no experience of, of racing around here. So it's, it's really, really tough for him. And also, I think that it's just unfortunate that it continues this this tough run that he's been on. You know, Bahrain was was brilliant. Okay, he got knocked out in F uh, in in Q two, but he tremendous race result. And then since then, everything's sort of fallen apart from him, and it's it, it's really crashed back down to earth. And I think that he's still a fantastic driver. He's got an amazing potential, but he's really sort of he's having that hard rookie experience that sometimes um, drivers do have when they realise just how difficult Formula One is. And I think that. If anything, he just needed this weekend to be smooth and it hasn't happened so far. You know, maybe he'll turn it around, come FP3 and qualifying and, and all this will be completely in the past. But you, you've got to say that, yeah, he just did not need that to happen. Yeah, it is becoming a bit of a tough run for him. Uh, as you said, I can remember in Bahrain, everyone was so excited and things were looking so good. Um, but since then, it seems to seems to be going from bad to worse, unfortunately. Continuing down the pack, Sebastian Vettel, a Monaco race winner, he finished in the top 10 for both of the sessions. We had an interesting moment in FP2 where he had something in his eye and then <laughs> was very um, caught out by that and his team kindly made him an eye patch afterwards. But while he finished top 10, Lance Stroll was P11 and P13 and the Aston Martins were really in the mix with the Alpines and the Alfa Romeos performance-wise. How is it looking for those teams, for that little pack? Yeah, I think back towards the back of the midfield for both Aston Martin and Alpine, based on what we've what we've seen so far, Alpine was running a few new updates that they sort of had to adjust and factor things in between FP1 and FP2. And I think the car did improve from that. Not ideal that Fernando Alonso knocked a wing not off, but you know, askew by crashing. He was very lucky that that wasn't a, a more um, a, bit, a bigger accident, basically. Um, and, and the team said it didn't actually do any damage to you know the um, the, the bits of the car, like the suspension. That you know, if, if they get damaged, the car can't run. Um, so came in, changed the wing, back out again pretty quickly. But yeah, Aston as well. It just doesn't you know. I just don't don't see anything particularly stand out about it in terms of its pace or it's the way it's handling this weekend. It was interesting watching at Raskas Vettel was sort of carrying more speed in than, than quite a few drivers into the first part that, that I could see. And then every now and then that would actually cost him on the second part. So it just seemed to be maybe a little bit inconsistent what he was trying. I'm not quite sure there. But yeah, that eye thing, I mean, speaking of someone who's particularly squeamish about eyes, like I wear I wear contact lenses most of the time, but um, like most people, I can't look in the mirror when I'm putting it in because I don't like the idea of anything touching my eye. It's better if I, if I can just not see what going on so to be trying to drive a formula one car on the hardest track of the on the calendar with something in my eye that he said i mean obviously he was uh speaking uh illustratively or figuratively because like his <laughs> eye was bleeding i was bleeding that's how much he was tearing up i mean that sounds deeply deeply unpleasant and and good on him for uh for being able to carry on and, and still set you know competitive lap times in the midfield compared to his teammate at least even though if they're not necessarily you know right up there uh where aston martin ideally wants to be or at least where it ended 2020 as racing point 
Yeah, I'm not quite sure how he continued that either. It does not sound appealing at all. Um, and I would have wanted to be in the pit and checking my IR straight away. But I guess that's why I'm not a Formula One driver. But finally, to touch on Williams and Haas, it's Williams' 750th Grand Prix this weekend. Both drivers adopting special helmets and a slightly tweaked livery for the weekend. And as for Haas, it was both Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher's first Formula 1 experience around Monaco. We saw Nikita Mazepin setting faster times than his teammate in both sessions, with Mick actually then bringing out the red flag in FP2 after contact with the wall. Was there anything in particular that you saw from either of those teams or any of the drivers that stood out to you? Or do you think it's going to be a weekend where it's just, you know, them probably held up at the back and obviously limited overtaking anyway, so bit of a nothingness in terms of performance and moving forward yeah i think i think it's been exactly that for both williams and and Haas. i think um you saw the alfa romeo giovanazzi was on the you know right up there in the end of the top 10 in fp2 which is fantastic for them and, and george russell said yep alfa you know typically that's another one of their rivals they're exactly where we thought they were going to be um so yeah i think very very good for alpha but williams i think i think russell was was realistic i spoke to him actually with the um the next issue of autosport magazine after the monaco grand prix report is going to have uh george as our cover feature so i spoke to him on thursday in the paddock it was good to have a first face-to-face interview with him for, for a good long while considering all the restrictions there, at one point um someone someone came um came up because we were doing it right by the fence on the harbour side someone came up with a like a big white rubber boy thing that you know you attach to the side of boats obviously you know you can tell that i'm not really familiar with boat lingo considering <laughs> i grew up in east london but but there we go and um, handed it over and he, he lots of other drivers or other people had signed it so russell signed it and he said i do hope that's waterproof as he passed it back and then obviously he got um well his hands sanitized and things like that because um such is the way with the covid restrictions but anyway so that's an interesting aside but speaking to him i think he was sort of pretty pretty realistic that you know i think he's still targeting getting out of q1 because that's sort of typically the highlight of the weekend for Williams realistically but with the I don't think the slow corners here at Monaco are going to suit that package and I think Russell was quite aware of that Latifi on the other side of the garage had a, had a couple of moments he sort of um, half spun in front of me what is more sort of a, a very long slide at, at the Raskas did very well to keep it out of the barriers but what was interesting was that that was the only real mistake I saw there there was a little bit of like uh, Mazapan very early on uh, on arrival with his with his left side wheels which seemed to be like oh I'm too close to the barrier and had to jink away and that sort of unsettled the car quite a lot Russell did that in a different way later on but he sort of seemed to dance it a bit more I think because he was pushing on the softer tyres rather than getting up to speed um, with uh, with the track and, 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 and knowing his way around um, but yeah it's just really interesting to see that there was just hardly any mistakes of what is a very very challenging sequence um, but yeah so that, that that's Williams covered off and I think on Haas um, actually again while I was standing there Mick Schumacher in particular was getting a lot of practice of leaping out of the way of faster cars on the outside line around the Raskas. And um, uh, I think Mazepin actually said it in their in their press release that, um, yeah, they're pretty sure with their current pace they're going to be lapped at least once. So all that practice will uh, will, will come in handy um, because obviously it's, it's very important to uh, to not hold the other guys up and, and pick up any penalties uh, when you're at the back of the grid. But yeah, an unfortunate accident for Mick Schumacher. Um, apparently um, he, he was following uh, Perez's Red Bull and that might have just unsettled the car and, uh, you know, taken away that little bit of downforce that put him in, uh, in the barriers Massonet. But yeah, again, like Sonoda, when it's your first time doing Formula One in Monaco, you just can't afford to lose track time. And okay, it happened right at the end of the session. That's a good thing for him compared to Sonoda. But yeah, you don't want to you don't want anything to sap your confidence and, uh, and fingers crossed he can bounce back on Saturday morning. Yeah, we will see how things unfold when they hit the track again tomorrow. And yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how they handle 
being lapped, etc., considering this is a track that is so heavy on traffic and can have such an impact. But that is all we have time for today. And on Autosport Plus right now, you can read the following articles. Kevin Turner writes about why F1 must get rid of the point for fastest lap. We all know that F1 wants to make its mark over in the States, and you can read David Mausch's article on what it will take to get American drivers into Formula One. And for all you MotoGP fans, you can also catch an article discussing all the signs that, port- that point to Rossi's MotoGP retirement. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off of their first payment. Go to autosport.com forward slash plus, click sign in at the top of the page, use promo code PODCAST and get yourself that 50% discount. And we'll be back tomorrow with all of the updates from qualifying. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is it. This is the year. Enough dreaming about growing my business online. It's time to get serious about selling. In my style. As big as I want to grow. Because there's nothing I can't do. It's time to get Shopify and take my business to the next level. Whoa, someone's ready to take on the new year. Oh, oh, I thought I was talking to myself there. But heck yeah, 2023 is my year. That's not your average resolution. That's a revolution. It's It's a a new New year's revolution. Start selling with Shopify to join the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand. From templates that make site design simple to customizations that let you grow at your pace, this is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com free22. That's shopify.com free22. Go to shopify.com to start your New Year's revolution today. Sports Social Podcast Network.